1: ask for much Brian. Do we? I mean every year we have to buy Madden because it's the only thing on the market. They swallowed up the exclusive NFL video game license so it's all we get. We don't have game day anymore. We don't have 2k NFL anymore. We don't have anything. We don't have quarterback club for all you old N64 fans. I mean we have to get this game. It's all we get. And all we ask for is that you actually pay attention to the mode that people play the most. We want to build franchises, EA Sports. We want a franchise that actually gives us something to look forward to. And every year, we've just we we know what it's going to be. It's basically just going to be a patch to the old version, and you're going to sp- we're going to see this trailer, and we're going to see all these amazing gameplay changes and all these things. And then, in very small print, we're going to see the very few completely inconsequential things you did to franchise and we're just going to be sad all over again and you're going to already have our money because we already pre-ordered the game foolishly hoping it's like it's like a team that or a fan that knows their team is going to screw up their draft pick because that's just what they do but they still let themselves hope every off season that this year will be different brian that's what we did it again and we were fooled again man
0: well you know luke the show is called it's always draft season but it's also always Madden season. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're an NFL draft fan, if you're a football fan in general, regardless of what age you are, how old or young you are, there's a really good chance that you play Madden like it's a religion, just like you follow the NFL draft like it's a religion, just like every Sunday, maybe after you go to church or temple or wherever you you know practice your faith. You put on the NFL, whether it's CBS or Fox or whatever games you're watching on the Sunday ticket, that too is like a religious experience. And Madden, I mean, I literally, Luke, live the Madden holiday. I would clear my calendar regardless of what stage of life I was in. Skip classes in college, check. In the real world, blocking out a personal day, check. Check. Even after I became a father, sending my wife and children out of the house for my Madden holiday, double check. It is an incredible and unbelievable franchise that Electronic Arts EA Sports has been able to put together. But Luke, it's almost becoming like the yearly disappointing draft bust when all we want are those enhancements to the franchise the ability to have that something new to look forward to in the game. And like you said, why is it, Luke? Why do we get duped year in and year out? And if for all you listeners out there, if, if you're wondering what the hell we're talking about, Madden, EA Sports, has been sharing screenshots and leaks about the new game. And what we're seeing is a very disappointing lack of features added to the franchise mode, which, let's face it, we're all draft fans at heart. We're all team builders at heart. And the best part of Madden for people like us is the franchise mode. You sign free agents, you draft make-believe players, and you just enjoy a little fantasy world of team building. And, and Luke, do you have anything in front of you? I mean, are there literally any updates listen, to the franchise Listen,
1: mode? I mean, first of all, wh- the way you explained it, I feel, like, I feel like Madden players are all Browns fans. And every game that comes out over the last five years or so is just Brady Quinn, and then Brandon Whedon and Johnny Baker, Baker Mayfield, and oh, you had I knew you had to go there. You're already putting him in that in that that category. That's fabulous. I
0: it, Baker that's what it Mayfield. Feels like. Listen, listen, Baker Mayfield. If I'm not want to go off a tangent, you are though. You're going to do Mayfield. it. <laughs> Baker Mayfield was a bust before he ever took his first snap in the NFL, but I digress. Go ahead. Ah,
1: boy, I love it. I love it. I can't wait to see the reviews. Any, I mean, but listen, and I'm, I'm with you on the Madden holiday thing. The best thing I ever did was make really close friends with the manager at the EB game store in, in the mall close to my house because he would literally, I'll never forget this, one night he called me. This was for NCAA football. It wasn't for Madden, but he called me the night before, and he said, Hey, man, I've, I've got them. Do you want to come get one? and i got NCAA football i think it was 03 with carson palmer on the cover or 04 maybe and i called my best friend over to the house and we played from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. my dad got up for work and like went to eat breakfast and we were still going like we ate breakfast with my dad while we were awake before we went to bed at like 8 in the morning after
0: playing the game so it's, you want to hear it luke you want you want to hear a pathetic story i can't wait no, this is pathetic okay and i i openly admit to anyone and everyone who hears this This is absolutely the definition of pathetic. One summer between my uh, law school years, it might have been before between my second and third year law school. So look, I'm a a mature, you know, I'm a man at this point, okay? Like, you know, not quite 40, but I'm a man at this
1: point. I'm excited to hear this story because I have a pathetic story like this, and I really hope mine's worse than yours. So keep going, but I'm going to have one.
0: So I'm a grown ass man at this point. And I, you know, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife and the mother of my two children, beautiful woman, I outkicked my coverage by a country mile with her. Yet on the eve of that year's Madden coming out, and before I departed back to Connecticut to law school, which was quite a distance from where my girlfriend was living, my now wife, which you'd think most normal, healthy young men would spend that last wonderful night with their girlfriend before departing for a semester, maybe a couple months before we would even get a chance to see each other again. Yet at that time, my local mall did the midnight release of Madden. And I chose Luke instead of laying in bed with my girlfriend and spending that night of quality time. I went to the mall and stood online with a bunch of Moms and dads and kids, (laughs) and I was looking around, and I said to myself, holy cow, I am a pathetic loser (laughs) sitting here. I have a beautiful girl home waiting for me, and I'm leaving tomorrow morning. But before I went back to law school, I had to make sure when that game came out at midnight, Luke, I got my copy, man. And fortunately, it wasn't the end of that relationship, and I have a wonderful marriage and two beautiful children later. So, But I, it was a moment. I'm not going to lie. It was a moment in my life when I said, all right, I, I might have to you know, take the, the, the foot off the gas here with my Madden obsession. But look, I don't want to date myself, but I have been playing Madden since the very first edition of the game, back when an ambulance would run over injured players on the field. It was, it's been, it's been part of my fabric of football fandom. So it was a gamble. I was willing to take at that time in my life. And fortunately I have lived to tell about it.
1: I mean, I actually don't know now if mine's going to, if mine's (laughs) going to be true. That's pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. Mine, mine is the kind of the other way around. My, um, my wife and I, I can't remember what year it was. We are—we hadn't been married for too long, but she was going to go out of town to visit family. And I had just gotten, I think it was NCAA football. It wasn't Madden again. I, I was a bigger college football fan anyway, but I got the college football game, but I knew she was going out of town like a couple of days later. So I just let it sit. I, I let it sit. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait. She's going to be gone for like a week. I'm not going to need to touch it. I'm just going just gonna to hang out with my wife and then you know, that's fine. I'll play the game while she's gone. So the day comes, she's going to leave. I, I drive her to the airport. I drop her off. She goes, I come back to the house. It's all, it's just me in the house and I go to put the game in and I get the red rings of death.
0: Oh my God.
1: Right then in that moment. Oh man. I've been looking forward to this. I got a whole week. Nobody, nobody there in the house. I'm literally just going to sit here. I'm going to go to work. I'm going to play this game. I'm going to maybe eat food. That's a maybe. So I get the red rings of death. And my, my best friend, who I referenced earlier, who we played at my at my house when we were younger, he, at this point, is working and living in Daytona Beach. And so I tell him, and I'm like, dude, I'm screwed, man. I my game, you know, my system's messed up. We're newly married. I'm poor. I can't go out and get another Xbox. So I text him, and I tell him what's going on. And he's like, uh, well, I, I have it. Just come over and play. I mean, I live in Tampa, so... Just so you guys understand this, it's a two and a half hour at best drive to Ormond Beach where he lives. And I was like, dude, are you crazy? Like, what are you talking about? I have to, I have a job, I have work. I mean, I've got like a a day or two off, but like, you're insane. And I'll never forget the text he sent back to me. I'll never like word for word. He's texted. He said, bitch, get in your car and drive. (laughs) And so I did. I got in a car well, of and I drove you did.
0: I, two I, listen, and a
1: half look. hours to okay, Daytona Beach to yeah, sit for forty-eight so. hours and play NCAA football with my best friend.
0: It's a small price to pay for these games, for that experience. And I think everybody out there listening, you know, you probably have your own, you know, moment with Madden or NCAA through the 2014 college uh, franchise game where you kind of have these these moments that you can kind of pin in your life story where you say, yeah, that, that was a really funny moment or that was an unbelievable marathon of 18 straight hours playing the game. How, what the hell was I thinking? But it just is a common bond. And that's why when you see Luke, you see everybody on Twitter getting really emotional about this, getting like not emotional like boohoo crying, but emotional in terms of frustrated. Some people are actually trying to start a petition demanding EA Sports to do something about the game. Now, I mean, look, maybe if I was 18 to 24 years old, I might be so fired up and and have enough time on my hands to care that much about it. But that's a little intense, don't you think?
1: I mean, it is, but I also want to talk about how intense the, like, verbiage is in their updates. When we're asking for, like, big picture seismic changes to franchise like top to bottom change everything let's start over and try to build something big and new where you can put in creative teams and do all this other stuff and they give us this list i'm going to read you you know how you and i talk about sometimes like sometimes we'll read a draft scouting report and it feels like we're reading a medical journal yeah (laughs) this is an actual sentence from the madden it says madden nfl 21 classic franchise updates Added position-specific offensive lineman archetype progression buckets for offensive tackle. I'm going to stop right there. That is an actual real sentence that they put in their thing. Like, this is supposed to be something to make us happy.
0: It's smoke in the eyes. It's a smoke screen. It's just, look, let's put a lot of big words in one sentence with a lot of syllables to make you think that our you know, uh, programmer spent a lot of time doing some kind of enhancement to the game when literally all that means is the offensive line play might be a little more realistic. I mean, that's literally all that means. They could have literally just said offensive line play might be a little more realistic this year.
1: My fantasy football team name this year is going to be Archetype Progression Buckets.
0: <laughs> what the well, hell? You no, know, Luke, it's funny you say that. It's, it's a good opportunity. Like, you know, this wasn't really in our, our show rundown today, but... This is seriously something that you see happening across the NFL draft landscape in terms of draft analysis and draft analysts in general. It feels like the only way a draft analyst, especially an aspiring younger guy in the, or gal in the business, it's like they feel like they have to impress with words. And I told you guys a few moments ago that I went to law school and one of the things that I learned there, which you would think that becoming an attorney, you, you know, you, you try to kill your adversary with words, but it's quite the opposite, where you try to be brief and to the point. That's why when you hear the word legal brief, you know, it's supposed to be to the point into where the reader can understand the issue, the law, and how the law is applied to that issue. And when you take that same basic concept with a scouting report, who's the player? What do they do well, and how do they project to the next level? I mean, that's really all you have to do in a scouting report, especially in the media. But Luke, when did you notice the scouting report train begin to kind of go off the rails?
1: I think, honestly, it started with good intentions, man. I, I think it started because you saw the industry start to get flooded with a lot of different people who wanted to have a platform to put their work out there and say, hey, I really enjoy doing this. And you have, and, and when when you kind of oversaturate an industry like that, you have to, you feel like you have to work harder to separate yourself from the pack. Like what makes my scouting report special? Why should you read my stuff over this stuff? And I think what what I've learned after doing this for twenty years is that NFL draft fans cannot get enough of this stuff. They will read all of it. They will read everybody's stuff as much as they can find. So I feel like whatever makes you happy as a writer, whatever you enjoy writing, if you enjoy writing the really intricate, the really, you know complicated, complex stuff that gets into, you know, those types of details that's really wordy. Like if that makes you happy to do that film work and do that, like by all means, knock yourself out. But like, don't do that because you feel like that's what you have to do to keep up with the Joneses. Everybody's going to read everything. And honestly, I feel like for the most part, the general NFL fan of which there are a great many more than the, the, the really deep diehard fans that want to read that really, you know, deep stuff I feel like they they don't need that. And and so whatever however you want to interact with this industry the way you want to do it, you go ahead and do it your way and and I feel like somebody's going to find your your work.
0: You're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, there is that feeling of you know, it, Whatever style suits you best is the style you should apply to anything really, but it it applies to the NFL draft process, scouting report, how you write your voice. How do you get your voice across and make your point in the best possible way for you? But at the same time, I do feel like, you know, football is football is football. You know, calling a quarterback an accurate passer sums up a quarterback's accuracy very simply. You don't necessarily have to come up with five or six different ways to say the word accurate without saying the word accurate. And I think what ends up happening with a lot, especially a lot of the newer writers, is they're trying to say the same thing differently. They're trying to say, um, you know, they're trying to change the verbiage, change the jargon, find new ways, be kind of the founder of a new catchphrase to describe an offensive lineman's bend and flexibility or the punch at the point of attack. And it's fun sometimes to read kind of the the wordsmanship of some people who are really good, have a really good vocabulary and can come up with ways to explain something that I might only use the word accurate to talk about the a quarterback's ability to hit his target, you find some writers who are fantastic wordsmiths and can use many different words to say the same thing. That's fantastic. I would just caution the next generation of draft analysts to not be intimidated by that. Don't be intimidated by complex sentences to describe what a football player does well. Because at the end of the day, in the real world, in the world of a scout, I mean, I had the the benefit of reading Actual pro-Scouting department scouting reports, one specifically was for Brandon Marshall when he was um, entering free agency. And when I tell you, Luke, that I was shocked at how simple it read, how basic. It seemed after years of exposure to draft Twitter and draft media, and seeing what some of our colleagues and how some of our colleagues write and what they write, and the depth of information and the grading scales that some of our colleagues utilize. I saw what actually circulated in a pro scouting department multiple reports, but the Brandon Marshall ones stuck out the most to me. And I, I said to myself, This is what a front office is using to break down whether or not Brandon Marshall fits their system, whether or not he's worth the big investment. This is how they talk about his traits. Now it's not exactly the same because a pro entering free agency or a pro scouting report for a guy that's been around for a while probably doesn't have to be as detailed because you know what he can do on that level. You've seen it for several years, but it's basic, man. It's basic language. And if you look at the Johnny Menzel, the Johnny Manziel scouting report that made its rounds with the Patriots scouting report. The biggest takeaway you can get from that scouting report is that almost half of it, if not more was the scout detailing Johnny Manziel's incidents and off the field issues. But the, the, the verbiage that was used to describe how he plays on the field, you guys and gals out there, Google Johnny Manziel scouting report. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. It was straightforward. And to the point you read that book, That It was basically like one gigantic paragraph, but if you read that scouting report, you have a very good understanding of who Johnny Manziel was as a prospect in the eyes of this scout without the scout going too in-depth where you need to find a, a dictionary to understand what half of it means. So simple sometimes is the key, but circling back to Madden here for a minute, simple doesn't get it done, Luke. They needed to do something drastic to make us excited about this game. And they didn't. But Luke, let's transition. Let's get off Madden a little bit. Believe it or not, we might have some listeners who don't play Madden. But we do know we have listeners and probably all of them who have an interest in which running backs are going to be the best in in the 2020 NFL season. Pro guys, top of the board guys, look, fantasy football players, you know, running backs can win or lose a championship for you. So we're going to kind of break down our predictions. Top five guys that we think have a chance to lead the league in rushing next year. It might not necessarily be a five to one order, but we're going to each pick five guys and give our reasons why we think they got a shot to wear that Russian crown at the end of the year. We'll go back and forth. Luke, who do you got?
1: Uh, do you want all five or are we doing like one and one?
0: Let's do one and one.
1: So I'll start, I think at five. At five, I'll go Saquon Barkley. Um, I think that he will get tons of opportunities. And I think if he were on a team that was going to win more games, uh, he might finish a little higher. But I think, I think honestly, Daniel Jones is probably going to throw the ball uh, a good bit more. I think they're going to be behind a little bit more. Um, So his rushing yardage stats will take a hit, but I still think he finishes top five. He's the best player on that offense. Uh, And I think he's definitely a top five rusher next year.
0: It's hard to argue with that. I mean, Saquon Barkley, in terms of pure raw talent, is probably the best running back in the NFL, and that includes Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott and everybody else. But, like you said, in terms of getting yards, yards are the product of either really big plays or a lot of a lot of attempts. Volume. You look at last year's rushing leaders, and it's no it's no coincidence that you know several of the top guys were at or around three hundred carries. So. Uh, Saquon Barkley, he was banged up last year, only had 217 carries, but if his number ticks up, if he gets another 50 carries or so, he's he'll challenge. He'll definitely challenge. My number five is Joe Mixon with the Bengals. And I think Joe Mixon is a player who's still on the verge of really becoming a star running back. He has all the talent in the world to lead the league in rushing, especially if the Bengals commit to him as a bell cow, which you have to assume with a rookie quarterback like Joe Burrow, he's going to lean heavily on the running game this year, more so than the Bengals did last year. And it, a guy like Joe Mixon's talent, where he's physical enough to get the the between-the-tackles tough yards, he's explosive enough to rip off chunk plays if he gets enough carries. He's a guy, that you know, he had 278 carries for 1,137 yards last season. I think that's just an appetizer for his top end ability. He was the ninth leading rusher last year. I think he could easily challenge to be the number one guy. Uh, so he's my number five.
1: Yeah, I can see that. I think the only thing that keeps Mixon out of my top five um, is that I just, I mean, I guess I don't really trust that offense yet to put up any kind of numbers until they get, you know, the offensive line figured out. Uh, and again, with a rookie quarterback, I know they have some weapons. I will I'll believe that when I see that and Mixon has to stay healthy also. Um, going to number four, it's kind of a toss up for me. Um, I'm going to go with the guy I think will be on a team that will maybe win less games and maybe be ahead a little less. And as long as he stays healthy, I think he's a top five guy. I'm going to go with Dalvin Cook, um, from the Vikings. Injuries have really been the only thing that have held him back. But I think when, when he's healthy, he's as good a running back as we have in the entire NFL in terms of vision, explosiveness, understanding what's happening in front of him on every carry and making the most of it. They don't have Stephon Diggs in that offense. I know they replaced him with Justin Jefferson, but that's going to take some time to, to, to replace him in the passing game. I think Kirk Cousins is really going to rely on Dalvin Cook. And if he can stay healthy, I think he's a top five rusher.
0: I like that call. I do think that it is a, <clears throat> he has an outside chance. I don't know if he profiles for me as a guy who can do much more than he did last year. Which was two hundred fifty carries, eleven hundred thirty five yards he had thirteen touchdowns, all great stats across the board. The key for him is he only played in fourteen games. So if you add another two games, maybe another thirty five to forty carries at four and a half five yards a clip, you know he's going to be a guy that'll be around that thirteen hundred yard mark. I just don't think thirteen hundred yards is enough to get it done. When you think about some of the guys, he'll be at the top of this list. But he'll, he'll, he'll definitely be right back where he was last year in that top 10 range. My number four guy is second-year man from the Raiders, Josh Jacobs. You know He showed last year in 13 games when he ran for 1,150 yards, 4.8 yards a carry. The Raiders are going to use him like the Cowboys use Ezekiel Elliott. He's going to get his 300 carries. And if he gets those 300 carries he's going to hover around that 1,500-yard mark because he was around five yards a carry last year. So a guy like him, second-year player, 21, 22 years old, first-round pick, they're going to use every bit of that first-round investment to try to – make up for maybe what isn't an an overwhelmingly great passing attack. So I would say Josh Jacobs is a great bet to lead the league in rushing in his second year in the league. I could see a 1400 plus yard season for him, double digit touchdowns. So keep him, you know, circle his name. He's a guy that's going to only get better and better season after season.
1: But how can he be a number 1 running back? He didn't even start at Alabama, Brian.
0: <laughs> that was pretty good, man. You sounded like a King of the Hill accent there. That was pretty good.
1: Well, I'll try to. I'll try from time to time. Anyway, um, sorry. <laughs> Don't go there. Don't go there with me. I got too many. I'll do that. Um, I love Josh Jacobs. I, I could easily see him being in the top five. I'm going to stick with big name guys just because they've done it before, and, and I'll believe it when I see it from those younger guys, I think. Number three, I'm going to go Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I think that offense is going to be fun to watch. I think Dak Prescott has some ridiculous weapons in the passing game, but that offense will live and die with Ezekiel Elliott in that ground game. He's one of the most talented backs in the league. He has a great offensive line. Again, the fact that you do have all those weapons, Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb now, Michael Gallup, Dak Prescott back at quarterback at least for one more season. I feel like you have to pay attention to so many guys in that offense uh, that Ezekiel Elliott' gonna keep running through everybody he's a big he's a big play guy he can hit the home runs he can turn out the tough yardage they're gonna be ahead a good bit he's gonna get late you know late game work where he's able to to salt games away. I think he's got a real chance to finish as a top three guy
0: I'll talk about Zeke in a minute in a minute spoiler uh, my number three guy is Nick Chubb with the Browns The only reason why I don't have Nick Chubb at number one is is because of the looming threat to touches that is kareem hunt but Chubb I mean I watched some of his film this week um just because I'm you know I'm a fan of going back and watching some of these league leaders in 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 the running game and man this dude is the goods man he is he might I be mean, the, best,
1: I, the most talented running back in the in the league he's he's my number two I'll say that like he he's gonna be number two for me and I agree completely he may be the most talented back there is
0: Yeah, five yards a carry, 298 carries, 1,494 and eight touchdowns last year. And I feel like we're just scratching the surface. If the Browns commit their entire running game to him again next year, like they did in 2019, if he gets those 300 to 315 carries in 2020, he's a guy that's going to hit 1,600 yards. I mean, he just is. He's that good. I just don't know if he's going to get the carry totals this year. I think he'll still be around five yards a carry. He could be right around the same exact stat line he had last year: two hundred eighty-five to two hundred ninety-five carries, fifteen hundred yards, right around double-digit touchdowns. These top three, I mean, you can just basically throw it up in the air, and whichever one you know lands on heads, that's the guy. But I think Nick Chubb will be a top three runner next year. I just don't know if the uh, if the threat of Kareem Hunt will be bigger than it was last season. Uh, although, you know, if you think about it. Hunt is going to is be an unrestricted free agent. you know, and, and I doubt he goes back to Cleveland if Chubb clearly is the guy they commit to, not only in 2020, but long-term, which you would think they will. Hunt's going to be a free agent. He's going to look for a gig somewhere else. The Browns might not want to become too used to using him on offense. I know it sounds crazy, but you know Chubb is their guy. And Hunt will be a good change-of-pace guy, receiver out of the backfield, quality first and second down back if needed. Um, so I would like to think the Browns are going to stay committed fully to Chubb and give him a chance to win that rushing crown. It's just, you can't bet on it because of Hunt's presence.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think that for me, if you're going to challenge for a rushing title, you, you can't just be a four to five yard carry per carry guy. You've got to be a home run hitter. You've got to get those big chunk plays, those big runs. You got to be a guy that's capable of putting together a 200 yard game. if, If you're against the right team and, and the, you know the things are just clicking and you can make that happen because that's how you build a 15 16 1700 yard season is you got to string together those big games and I think Nick Chubb is absolutely capable of doing that he can hit 80 90 yard touchdown runs and not get caught but he's big and physical and he can turn out the tough yards too you have to be the total package uh, to, to do that in this league and I think that's that's why he's my number two guy and I think he he'll, he'll challenge who I assume is is our top guy for both of us but I'm interested to see your, your number two
0: yeah, my number two is Zeke. Uh, I just think with the addition of CeeDee Lamb, the continued development of Michael Gallup, the presence that is Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott playing for big money, the the passing game is going to be so lethal that I think you could see an extra yard per carry added to Zeke Elliott's four and a half yards that he had last year. He's easily a guy who can go 5.2, 5.3 yards a carry. I don't see any reason to bet against that. And if he has 300 carries again next year at or five yards a clip, he would have been a 1500 1600 yard back period and and I think with with his ability, he's only 24 years old, you know I don't it still remains to be seen how Mike McCarthy will use him. You have to assume he's not going to be a dope and he's going to give the guy the ball 20 times a game. And if he gets that that workload, if he gets to 315 carries, I mean this is a guy that can hit 1700 yards with no with 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 ease. The issue is every time you give him the ball, you're taking the ball out of Dak Prescott's hands. You're taking one less big play to Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup away. But I don't think that really matters. I think the Cowboys are going to be a good team. I think the Cowboys are going to be ahead or at least competitive in a lot of games, which means a lot of rushing attempts for Zeke Elliott, which means he's going to be right there again in 2020. And I don't know if he'll be able to catch our number one guy, which I, I would imagine is the same, but he will be. he'll be right there.
1: Yeah, I I would love to think that somebody can challenge Derrick Henry at the top, but I, I it's just such a unique situation when you have a rare talent and the rare skill sets that he has, and you combine it with an offense that is completely built, completely tailored to make the most out of what he does well. Uh, from the personnel to the scheme itself, the the talent and the, the style of offensive line play they have on their roster, the way Ryan Tannehill plays quarterback and the way their defense plays, it, everything just continues to point to you. Usually you have a season like Derrick Henry had last year and you're like, there's no way you can do that again. But I just don't see any reason why he can't do what he did last year again, lead the NFL in rushing again and have the Titans back in the playoffs.
0: I mean, Derrick Henry played 15 games in 2019. He averaged 102.7 yards rushing per game, finished the year at 1,540 yards and 16 touchdowns. He's 250 pounds, 6'3". He had a run of 74 yards, was his longest run last year, 5.1 yards per carry. 250-pound running backs are not supposed to be like this. He is a unicorn. They only come around once in a while. we have yet to see his best football, and that's a scary thought. And think about this: Derek Henry's on the franchise tag. I highly doubt, maybe they will, but I highly doubt that they're going to sign him to a multi-year extension before the 2020 season. And there could be that, that deep, dark, maybe, you know bad faith approach by the Titans where they say, "Look." Derrick Henry's going to be 26, which isn't old, but look at the top 15 running backs in the NFL last year, and only two of them were 29 or older. Every running back that's in the top 15 in rushing is 25 years old or younger. You could even extend that to the top 17 running backs are 25 years old or younger. Derrick Henry's at that point, the 26, 27, 28-year-old season, where at some point, father time's going to catch up. Derrick Henry might be a little different. He didn't get he wasn't a full-time back when he was splitting carries with DeMarco Murray, but you got him on a franchise tag. He's coming off of 303 carries. They might give him the ball, Luke, 350 times next year. And if they do, we could have a guy challenge for 2000 yards. And that is not hyperbole. That is not like just saying 2000 yards to say it. He's the kind of guy who can do it. The NFL is not a physical league anymore. Defensive players don't practice tackling anymore. They're not allowed to. They don't hit hard anymore. The game doesn't allow it. The rules don't allow it. So what happens when you have a 250-pound thoroughbred running at a guy on the second or third level who hasn't really practiced tackling all week long, and now you're challenged bringing this guy to the ground? It doesn't work. And, you know, I remember when Derrick Henry was coming out, He was knocked for maybe not having the most explosive athleticism, not the most wiggle, couldn't move side to side, not a lot of lateral ability. Who cares? The guy's 250 pounds and has above average running back ability, way above average long speed on the field. Guys can't catch him. And when they do come near him, he throws that violent stiff arm and tosses him to the ground like an elementary school child. He is a unicorn. We're just getting started with Derrick Henry. And the thing like you said, Luke, that offense goes nowhere if he doesn't have 20 carries and 100 yards every game. Ryan Tannehill is good. Ryan Tannehill had a nice comeback year last year. Ryan Tannehill isn't the guy. Ryan Tannehill is a complimentary player to Derrick Henry. That offense begins and ends and everything in between with Derrick Henry. And when you have that scenario, where an entire offense is built around a unicorn talent, you have a 2,000-yard season on the brink. And that's what we could be looking at with, with him. And I agree with you. I don't see anybody that could challenge him, Luke. I don't see anybody that'll challenge him in 2020 for the rushing title.
1: I don't see it either. Uh, and you mentioned you know, building something around a player. We're going to do a little bit of a, a fun exercise here to close the show out. We're going to build – if we were going to build a team, Brian – Going back to the 2020 draft class, we're going to take five players, each non-quarterbacks, but we're going to look at who our must-have franchise players are. Who would we build a new franchise around if we could pick five guys who are not a quarterback from this past draft class? I'm going to let you kick things off. Who's going to be? Who would be your first pick? I'm assuming we would have the same one, but I'm interested.
0: So if we were going to go with the 2020 class – And look at the players that were picked. I mean, you're probably going to obviously stay in the first round. And you're going to have to look at quarterback. And you're going to have to say, which guy that was drafted in 2020 would we say, I am the most confident in making the leader of my team? It's not the guy that went number one overall. I like Joe Burrow. I think Joe Burrow is going to be good. You can listen to some past shows and see that I have a little Baker Mayfield hesitation and it might become a running theme with our listeners when you realize that Baker Mayfield isn't my favorite prospect. Tua Tagovailoa would be would be my first choice. Tua Tagovailoa would be the guy that I believe has everything aside from that perfectly clean bill of health that you'd build a franchise around. I think he is a player that brings a winning pedigree who has the NFL accuracy that you need to succeed as a passer, even if he doesn't have the howitzer of an arm. And he has the character. He has the, the, the off-field character that I would want to be the face of my franchise. And that matters. The culture in the locker room matters when you're building a team. And the culture of the locker room is going to start with who's the quarterback and is that quarterback going to shoulder the load when the going gets tough in front of the media, with the coaching staff, on the field, in the huddle, And Tua is the guy that I believe can do that the best under the most pressure in the NFL. Plus, he's a damn good quarterback. So I would start with Tua Toma
1: I mean, I said non QBs, but that's.
0: So you said non quarterbacks, Luke. So I'm going to have to go back and probably edit that out of this show. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, look. I put it in the the chat. I tried to tell you. Wait, listen. I'm still torn up about the Madden franchise. Hey, right? listen, I'm still hey, up about the Madden franchise. I,
1: what if you put Tua in the slot? <laughs> all
0: right. So <laughs> here's the thing: if I can't take Tua Tungavailoa, what you're saying I can't? Oh, I think. And
1: now I see. Now I want you to take him because I want to see what other position he's going
0: to put. Yeah. Now I'm screwed because I just I just put in the worst draft pick in the history of franchise building. I can't use him as a quarterback. Uh, well, then obviously I'll keep this real short, simple and to the point. You're going to start with Chase Young because if you can't have a quarterback, you got to get the guy who's going to disrupt the quarterback. So we'll take Chase Young chasing down whatever quarterback I'm lining up against. That's an easy pick. And all you out there, that's a bonus. That's a little bit of a bonus take on Tua Tunga it. Don't hold it against me.
1: I love it. I love it. Chase Young is my guy, too. He was number one overall on the board. The only reason he didn't go number one. Uh, it's because the teams teams need quarterbacks. So Washington lucked out; they got the best player in the draft. It's hard to get a steal at number two, uh, but the second year in a row uh, that that happens, Nick Bosa last year, Chase Young this year. It's got it's got to be Chase Young. That's who you're building around.
0: So all right, you you since I'm still rattled from the whole uh, you know <laughs> the whole quarterback uh, saga there, why don't, why don't you tell me who you want, Luke? And remember, it's not a quarterback.
1: It's not a quarterback. Sure
0: don't, don't forget okay. that. All right.
1: Can I draft a non-quarterback and put him under center? Can I do backwards like the reverse of what you did?
0: Listen, have fun. All right? There's it's some your high team.
1: school quarterbacks in here I probably could take. So I just listen.
0: It's it's your team.
1: I want to make team. it clear. No, I we you know we joke, but we talk about building a team, and you have those positions that are premium positions that you have to have an impact player at if you want to compete. You got to have somebody that can. Protect the quarterback. You got to have somebody who can impact the quarterback. You got to have somebody that can lock down receivers. And I think if you if you look at who's who's there and, and who else was at either position, I feel like I like the depth at of offensive tackle enough to be like, eh. I want to make sure I'm getting the top corner in this draft. I want to make sure I'm getting the top cover man. I want a shutdown guy who can take out the number one receiver on any team. I'm going to take Jeff Okuda, the corner from Ohio State. He can do it all. He's got all the tools. He's got the confidence. I love that clip of him at the combine when somebody said he had sloppy film, and he was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. Go check the tape. No thanks. And he, like, was rattling off how he didn't have penalties. I mean, the man, the man knows what he's about. You have got to be one arrogant SOB to play corner at a high level in the NFL. He's got it all.
0: He does, but that's a bad pick. Uh, I'm gonna so you, uh, glad you, you know? hate
1: it. I really, yeah, gonna, I get really yeah, happy. That's a, when that's you a bad
0: pick. It. That's a bad pick because cornerback is such a volatile position. And, you know, Jeffrey Akuda, yeah, he's got a great scouting report and he's going to be a good pro. But if you're going to be, you know, take the second person off your board is going to be an, a, a cornerback, he better be a generational type of player from this class to feel that good about. And, and especially if you're going to pass up a guy like Derek Brown who, to me, if you already have Chase Young rushing the passer from the outside, you throw a guy like Derek Brown next to him on the interior, now you're cooking with gas on defense. You, can put to, you could put a cornerback who's a tier below Jeffrey Okuda, and he'll have a better chance for success because of the fear that the quarterback is going to be playing with down in and down out every time he drops back to throw the ball. And not to mention... Derek Brown's the kind of interior disruptor who can destroy the running game by himself. So if you have Chase Young lined up next to Derek Brown, I think that that's something that really starts putting together the foundational pieces of a championship defense. You know what, Luke? I'm going to challenge you now. Something we should have set the ground rules beforehand, and since we're one pick and we both took Chase Young, that's the obvious. You can't take the same guys I'm taking. All right. So you can't I want, I want to ask
1: you a question before. real quick then because – who would you rather have as as a combination? Would you rather have Derek Brown and whoever your second corner is, or would you rather have Jeff Okuda and Javon Kinla?
0: I would rather have the best pair of frontline defenders, and in my opinion, that would be Chase Young and Derek Brown, because in this draft, I think there are still some quality cornerbacks who can offset maybe passing on a guy like Jeff Okuda early. And while Javon Kinlaw is absolutely a blue chip player with a very high ceiling, I feel much more comfortable with Derek Brown moving forward because, you know, Javon Kinlaw is a little bit of a unique body type. You don't really see guys like Javon Kinlaw all the time, have a high level success in the NFL. It's not that, Body type is the be all end all, but Derek Brown looks the part. He plays the part you talk to, not that you talk to, but you read some of the, uh, the comments made by offensive linemen who blocked him throughout his college career. And it's almost unanimous that he was the toughest guy to handle in their collegiate career. That, that shouldn't be overlooked. And when, if you could line both of those guys, chase young and Derek Brown up next to each other. Forget it, man. Forget it. It's lights out. Javon Kinlaw, yeah, he's great, but I think Derek Brown, you know, Derek Brown is is rated above Kinlaw in terms of my opinion of their NFL upside. Now, the other argument is, would you rather have you know Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, like the elite pass rusher, who is helping the elite corner because the, the the elite corner doesn't have to cover as long. And does that give Acuda even more of an opportunity to make plays? I, I don't think it's really, you know, pairing. And this
1: is why it's so fascinating, Brian. The, the whole team building aspect of it. Where do you want to invest your earliest, your most valuable resources in what positions? And they all do work together, and they balance each other out. It's it's what we love so much about this process.
0: It is, and 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 there's really no wrong answer. And and to be honest, it's this is again part of that whole fantasy world that we're in because any one of these guys could end up being, you know, not even make it to a second contract. And we're sitting here debating the merits of Derek Brown versus Javon Kinlaw versus Jeff Akuda. And we could be looking back at this three years from now and none of those three guys deserve to be one of our first picks here. But based on what we do know, and based on how you just, you know, I know that modern era football and, you know, analysts and analytics and everything that's come into the game wants to place these valuations on certain positions. And it's true, cornerback has always been a valuable position and always will be a valuable position. But football is one on the offensive line and the defensive line. It always has been and it always will. If you have those strong uh, offensive and defensive lines, you are you can literally, you know, put second tier receivers, second tier cornerbacks, even an average quarterback behind an elite offensive line, and you're competitive. I don't know if that's the case. If you don't have that top tier defensive line and the one lone elite cornerback out there on an Island, I don't know if you're necessarily going to see the same results From my team building philosophy. I would rather know I'm building out an elite defensive line and that starts with chase young on the edge and Derek Brown on the interior. I, you're wrong, I like you said, I, 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 wrong, I, it's like.
1: fine. I, Hey, I would love to see these teams go at it in Madden, but we can't because franchise mode sucks. So we're not going to buy. And listen, uh, at least
0: I got a quarterback. You don't,
1: that's true. That's true. I can't wait to see what position he's going to play in your offense and how you're going to get creative with that. It's going to be fun. I am going to protect whoever my quarterback is with the next one. I want the best offensive tackle in the draft. I want the most well-rounded guy. He's pro ready. Maybe not the high ceiling, like a guy like Makai Becton, but I know what I'm getting in this guy. I don't have to worry about him. I'm plugging him in at left tackle in the next decade. I can fall asleep and not worry about it. Andrew Thomas from Georgia, who was always the best tackle in this draft. We debated tackles all off season. Never changed my mind on who the best guy in this draft was. Andrew Thomas deserved to be a f- top five pick. The Giants made the right pick at number four, uh, and he's going to protect my quarterback.
0: You can't go wrong there. Offensive line is, is. Well, I just talked about it, and I do believe, like you said, I, I think he is the best offensive tackle in the class, and when you get to the next few guys, there's question marks. There's question marks about Makai Beckton. There's question marks surrounding Tristan Worse. I'm not necessarily sold on either one of those guys being bookend uh, blindside protectors. So I don't think I would have taken either one of those guys anyway. But since you took them off the board, I have to go in a different direction. And since I feel pretty good about starting my defense with, you know, building that defensive line, having an elite presence up front, I'm going to switch to the offensive side of the ball and go with a guy who I think can be a special playmaker in the NFL. And again, when you have certain elite players, they can make average players above average, especially if you're talking about quarterback and receiver duo. I'm going to take CD Lamb here. Wide receiver has become such a critically important position in the NFL. You look at how highly paid these guys are. If you could start your franchise with a young receiver who's going to be on that first four or five years at a discounted rate compared to the $18 to $20 million deals that these guys are getting now at the top of the position. A player like CD Lamb, who you know, no matter who's throwing him the ball, he's going to catch it. The ball could be outside the average human being's catch radius. It's never outside of CeeDee Lamb's catch radius. So I feel really good knowing that CeeDee Lamb is going to be my alpha receiver on the outside. He's going to make plays regardless of who my quarterback is. And he's going to be a guy that keeps us competitive, even if we're behind by a lot of points. Because you see in today's offense, I mean, look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Granted, they have Patrick Mahomes. But you add a guy like, Tyreek Hill, you know, one player back in the game. And CeeDee Lamb isn't necessarily a field flipper like Tyreek Hill, but he's a player who's going to make plays the average human being can't. And I like him here with the third pick, really fourth if you count Tua. But I like CeeDee Lamb here here with my third guy off the board because he, when you look at the 2020 draft class, there's a handful of guys that you think could have special NFL careers. CeeDee Lamb, in my opinion, is one of them.
1: I'm loving this pick because you took the second best wide receiver in the in the class. You didn't even think this take is your
0: second. Guy. This is your second bad I'm, take of the segment.
1: I'm, I'm really happy about this because I'm going to stay at that position and I'm going to take the best wide receiver in this class. I'm going to take Jerry Judy, the most well-rounded, the most polished, the best route runner. He's explosive. He can catch the ball away from his body. He can make plays after the catch. He can take the top off the defense. I love CD lamb. They were number eight overall number 10 overall on my board, but I'm super happy to get my playmaker uh, after yours, you took the second best wide receiver, and I'm happy to take the first one.
0: Well, I'm glad you did that because now I'm going to steal your the player you mentioned a little earlier, and I'm going to take Javon Kinlaw, and I'm going to keep building this defensive front, the terrorizing force that I have put together to destroy whatever team you create with Chase Young, Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw. Turn out the lights. Your quarterback's going to need to wear a diaper on Sunday because they're going to be pissing their pants every time they drop back to throw the ball. The fact that you didn't capitalize and take Javon Kinlaw and went for Jerry Judy and maybe didn't make the didn't didn't close the gap. Maybe I reached on a receiver a little too early. I took the best one, but maybe I reached on him a little too early and I come back and I take the the heart and soul of a defense and now look at this team. Look at this team. You got a Cuda on the outside. You got Je- you got Chase Young. You got an offensive tackle. You got Jerry Judy. That's great. But you're never going to be able to block my defensive front that I've just built. Never. I don't care who your best offensive tackle is. They're not going to stop Chase Young, even if it is your best offensive tackle. And good luck getting a center guard combination to stop the guys, the beasts that I just paired together. So, I mean, do you want to throw in the towel or what?
1: I mean, I don't. I don't because I like the offensive linemen that are still there. And I'm going to take another one of those offensive linemen to help protect against your defensive line. I can't wait to see a defensive front be, be fun to watch. I'd love to see all three of those guys on the same defensive line. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I'm going to take one of the best athletes in this draft, a guy that I've already got my left tackle. I think he's a perfect fit at right tackle. And I'm going to take Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. I mean, this kid, he's massive. He should not move as well as he does, uh, for being that big. He can get out in, in space and make, make, Anybody look ridiculous. I think the way you're building your team and the way I'm building my team are going to be, it would be really fun to watch them play against each other because now I've got a pair of bookend tackles. You've got an incredible defensive line. I would love to see these teams go at it.
0: And I'm going to finish off this defense with CJ Henderson. And now I have that lockdown cornerback that you're talking about earlier. A great cover corner. Maybe he can't tackle with the best of them, but he's a great cover corner. He has significant upside, maybe as much upside. As Akuta, and I get him here at my fifth pick rounding out an elite group on defense with an offensive playmaker like CeeDee Lamb that literally if if there was an imaginary fan base for this imaginary team, they would be probably throwing a parade for me when this process is over because they would say, thank you, Brian. You just brought us one step closer to a championship and we never have to worry about losing to Luke's team. That's
1: it's fun. I, I like that. I like that. And, and my last pick, do I have a last pick or was that it?
0: You know, I what? Like I, I don't really
1: first. So I think that's five.
0: No, I went first. I took two. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did. I just took my fifth guy. Yeah.
1: But then we took, so, so then it's, I get five now, right? I get I get number five. This is tough because there's a lot of different directions I could go here. I could get another explosive playmaker I could get, but, but I really like this receiver class. So I feel like I could wait if we kept going the answer for me is still along the offensive line. I love the options there. I could take a tackle and slide Werfs into guard, which I think he would do really well, but I'm going to keep him at tackle. I'm going to, is a surprise pick for a lot of people, but this is a guy who was number, number 16 overall on my board, higher than CJ Henderson. And I'm going to put the youngest player in this draft at the heart of my offensive line. I need a smart, athletic kid who can call the shots, who can put my offense in position to succeed, knows what he's looking at. Give me Cesar Ruiz to play center out of Michigan and round out my offensive line. Yeah, I got to, I got to compete with your defensive line, man. So I got to have a guy in the middle who can handle those interior guys.
0: You know, what's great. I scared you into that draft pick. You did. You I'm not going to lie. I'm that, not going to lie. That, that I'm is drafting the, to
1: play against the guys in my division. So I see the team you're building <laughs> and I have to react to it. What can I say, man? I'm, I love Cesar that. Ruiz though. What a, I, I love this kid. I'm as a bucks guy. I'm really pissed that he ended up in new Orleans because I mean, again, 20 years old, Kid is smart, athletic, can do it all, and I think he's going to be in the league for a long, long time. He could be a 15 year veteran, he'd be only 35 years old. I mean, that's ridiculous.
0: You know, I hope for these guys that they make it that long, right? 15 years, that would be kind of like that. Like we talked about Derrick Henry, the unicorn talent, a 15-year career, man. God bless him. Hopefully that happens for these guys. And in 15 and hopefully-
1: years, I'm sorry, Brian, but in 15 years, maybe then we'll get a franchise mode that actually, you know, makes us feel like we we bought – we got our money's worth.
0: Well, I hope that 15 years from now I'm not standing with a bunch of 18-year-olds for a Midnight Madden release. <laughs> Uh unless unless I'm with my sons and just justifying it for that. Um but also hopefully 15 years from now, we'll still be doing the show, Luke. And the way we could do that show is if all you guys and gals go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast from, make sure you subscribe to the show, rate the show, leave a comment. You could rip on me for drafting two atonga and not paying attention to the rules. You could praise me for drafting a better team than Luke. Drop your Madden commentary in there. We want to read it. We want to see it. Follow Luke on Twitter, at Luke Easterling. Follow me on Twitter, at Brian Perez NFL. That's Brian with a Y. Check out all of Luke's draft work at the DraftWire, part of the USA Today Wire Network. Follow his Tampa Bay Buccaneers work for, uh, over on Sports Illustrated. Check out my Chicago Bears work at NBC Sports Chicago and all of my NFL draft work at profootballdraft.com. Most importantly, come back to the show. We're going to have at least one, maybe two, maybe three. Hey, Luke, maybe we'll go seven days a week here, man. Whatever, However the spirit moves us, we're going to be putting a lot of new shows together, and especially as we get closer to the college football season, we'll be ramping up more content with the 2021 draft. Hey, Luke, what do you say? Next week or next show, let's start breaking down this 2021 class. What do you think?
1: I love it, man. Let's get it.
0: All right, make sure you guys subscribe so you check it out. Always come and make sure you come back here too. It's always draft season.
1: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns—legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime Sports documentary, "The Kings," a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.